You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Friday, November 3rd, talking at Toronto Blue Jays baseball today with our good friend Gregor Chisholm, Blue Jays reporter for MLB.com. Gregor, we thank you as always for the time. And uh, as the offseason is in its uh, infancy right now, it is uh, only day two since uh, the World Series concluded. Uh, We're going to check out the Blue Jays' prospects for 2018 as they look to bounce back from a disappointing 2017 season. But, uh, Gregor, first things first, I want to get your thoughts on the just-concluded fall classic between the Astros and the Dodgers and the Strohs uh, winning it all for the first time in franchise history as they outlast L.A. in seven games. And, I mean, what a what a crazy World Series. I mean, it was at times it turned into home run derby, which isn't quite to my liking, but you can't deny the the entertainment value of the, the back and forth and the unpredictability. Uh, game seven really didn't have those elements, but – Nonetheless, I think a lot of people are happy for Houston, especially given what the area has gone through with the devastation months ago of a Hurricane Harvey. It's a very young, exciting, likable team, and uh, you know, hats off to them for uh, ruling baseball in 2017. Yeah, I really think that regardless of which team you root for, if you're a baseball purist, if you're a baseball fan, or even if you're kind of a fringe baseball fan, uh, you had to just really love what you saw in that World Series. I mean, that really is a baseball fan's dream. Everything about uh, that series it had a bit of everything for you. If you're a fan of offense, uh, obviously that was that was a series for you. But there were some good pitching performances in there as well. And to me, the the thing that just really stood out was just the back and forth. I mean, that was just two deserving teams to be at the big stage that they were at. And, uh, there were so many games throughout that series where you'd see one team go up big early and you would just assume that the game was over. And then next thing you know, uh, you know, there's the Dodgers battling back again or there's the Astros battling back again. And that's that's what really you love to see. And, and you know, it seems like so many times in professional sports, you know, there's always a big buildup uh, to the finale. And, and a lot of times they disappoint. A lot of times those championship series aren't exactly what you'd expect. Well, uh, this one was everything that people could have hoped for and more. It really was that good. It'll definitely go down as one of the all-time greats. Yeah, no question there. And uh, personally, when I, when I was watching uh, Game 7 at home, when Springer hit the home run off Darvish, I said to myself, it's over. I, uh, <laughs> I just had that gut feeling despite everything that had happened, all the unpredictability of the first six games. I just felt that was the, the nail in the coffin for the Dodgers. Is that how you felt, or did you just still think L.A. had a comeback in them? Yeah, you know what? I, I, early on, this was one game where it actually kind of went the way I thought it would. You know, going into that game, for some reason, I thought that that Astros lineup was going to jump out early against Darvish. We'd seen them do well against him before. I've seen the Jays do well against him in the postseason as well before, and there was just something going into that game that I thought the Astros were going to jump out into an early lead. The, the one thing I didn't expect quite as much was I did think the Dodgers were going to make it interesting again, particularly uh, against that Astros bullpen. I thought it was going to be a situation where you're going to see Dallas Dallas Keuchel kind of trying to hang on in the eighth or ninth inning, and it was going to be this dramatic scene. Uh, the, the Dodgers clearly wasted some opportunities early in that game with runners in scoring position to, to not make that happen, but that was the one surprise. It didn't really surprise me too much that the Astros jumped out in that lead, and, and they were my prediction for Game 7, so uh, I guess in that sense it, it kind of did go down the way I thought. 
Yeah, there you go. And uh, they did not need to go to Dallas Keuchel or even Verlander. Uh, Charlie Morton uh, took him home for four innings. He was lights out, and A.J. Hinch wrote him. And there you go, a parade today in Houston as a result. Well, uh, Gregor, let's break down the Blue Jays' prospects here in uh, 2018. I want you to first identify what you feel is the Blue Jays' biggest area of need and how you think they're going to go addressing that need. Do you envision a trade, a big free agent splash or two, or maybe a guy from the minors that could step up and fill the role? Yeah, there's no question the Jays need to do something with their lineup. I mean, going into the start of, of last season, uh, if you would have said that the Jays would have been dead last in the American League and run scored, it would have been a, a huge shock. And then that's the way it turned out. And certainly some injuries did play a role. Uh, losing guys like Troy Tulowitzki and Devin Travis certainly don't help. Uh, but it does go beyond that. There's also concern about the age of this team and some regression from some of the older players. And it, it's pretty clear that Ross Atkins needs to find a way to rejuvenate that lineup this offseason. And I think, to me, that starts in the outfield. Uh, for right now, they, first and foremost, they need to find a replacement for Jose Batista uh, in right field. They could potentially even use a left fielder, but I think the, the, the priority right now is going to be in right. Uh, and, and I think that there's a number of ways that they can go about filling that. I think the, the, the most likely uh, outcome is that the Jays spend some money in, in free agency. That's one luxury that this team does have this winter. Is they could have upwards of, of 25 even $30 million, depending on what they do with some of their non-tender candidates, uh, to upgrade this roster. And so I think that'll be the priority. I, I think secondarily, you'll look through the trade market, but I think, again, that's going to be uh, moves where the Jays are, are almost like signing a free agent because I think they're going to be looking for teams out there that are looking to cut salary uh, and, and take advantage of those contracts because the one thing we do know about this Blue Jays team is that uh, they're not going to want to give up uh, any of their really top elite-level prospects. This is a team that's still trying to rebuild in the minor leagues while contending uh, at the big league level, and, and I think the way that they do that this offseason is, is maybe trading some fringe prospects, uh, but more than anything else is, is spending some money to fill the holes and uh, certainly right field uh, is at the top of that list along with uh, you know, a backup middle infielder and they need another arm for the rotation. But first and foremost, uh, the Jays need to find some offense. Yeah, which just sounds so odd because yeah. for a three- or four-year stretch, I mean, they were just you know tearing the cover off the ball and their offense was the envy of almost any other club in baseball. But my, uh, how times could change in the area of just one year. Uh, Gregor, on the flip side of things, uh, what would you identify as the Jays' biggest area of strength right now? Yeah, you know, that's a good one. And you could still say the rotation, surprisingly enough, uh, based on, on how they pitched this year, you wouldn't think that, but they've, they've got four solid starters coming back next year. The, the biggest wild card there, obviously, is going to be Aaron Sanchez and his health. But when you combine him with Marcus Stroman, Jay Happ, and Marco Estrada, that's a pretty solid starting four right off the bat, an area where the Jays could bounce back next year. Uh, but even so, I think, I think my pick would probably be the bullpen because that, that's where the Jays do have uh, some surplus of depth, which is something that they don't really have elsewhere on the roster. It was The bullpen was supposed to be a weakness going into this year. It, it turned out to be a strength, and, and one of the main reasons for that was the emergence of guys like Ryan Tapera, Danny Barnes, Dominic Leone. Uh, we saw Carlos Ramirez late in the year as a September call-up. He's a really intriguing uh, middle reliever. Then you've got other guys who emerged late in the year, like Tim Meza as, as a lefty. Uh, there's a lot of depth down there, and, and the Jays could potentially – uh, look to shop uh, one of those middle relievers uh, to help fill uh, a hole elsewhere. And, and that's really the area to me where they could afford to make some moves. Whereas the lineup uh, and, and that starting rotation, they're, 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 the quality is there, but the depth isn't there. So I wouldn't expect any moves there. Uh, but you could see something at some point 
being done with that bullpen to, to try and take advantage of the fact that, that so many teams are, are concerned, obviously, about their relief core, and that's been a big topic around baseball the last couple of years. Uh, the Jays do have the luxury of potentially being able to make a move or two down there and still be okay. And, uh, Gregor, you touched on this already a little bit. Just want you to expand on it. Uh, give me two players, uh, one player that could regress a little bit in uh, 2018 after overperforming this past year, and then a guy on the flip side that is a candidate to, to kind of bounce back next year after not uh, playing up to his standards in 2017. Yeah, the regression candidate, I think a lot of Blue Jays fans won't like to hear this, but but I would still have some long-term concerns about Justin Smoke. I mean, Justin Smoke, the first four months of 2017, uh, was an all-star, almost an like a fringe MVP candidate type player with the type of, of power numbers he was putting up, and that's we've seen some power from him before, obviously, but we never saw the consistency day in day out. Uh, and he really became a legitimate, feared middle of the order type bat that that a lot of people thought he was going to be when he was originally taken uh, in, in the first round of the draft, and this is the first year that we really saw it. Uh, the concern to me is that the production wasn't there over the final two months, particularly in September. Now, you could rack that up to fatigue uh, and just the daily grind of the MLB schedule, uh, but it could be a, a little bit regression from him as well. And so, you know, the Jays for a team that needs to upgrade its, its lineup, to me, that's a pretty dangerous possibility when your top hitter, uh, along with Josh Donaldson, but your top hitter from 2017 uh, is potentially at risk for some type of regression. We haven't seen that back-to-back season from him before. And so to me, that that is an area of concern. And until he goes out and does it next year, there are going to be doubts about him. And, you know, the other one in terms of a breakout, you know, it, I'm going to sound like a broken record on this one, but I've been saying it for the last couple of years as well. I mean, Devin Travis really is a huge key to what this Blue Jays team is trying to do, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he's on the field, he's exactly the type of hitter that this Blue Jays team needs. I mean, they've been a little bit too reliant on the home run ball over the last couple of years. Travis gives that lineup a different look. You can hit him at the top of the lineup. He's going to get on base for you quite a bit. You know you're going to get a lot of a lot of doubles, a lot of extra base hits. He's really the kind of guy who can set the table for the middle of that lineup. And uh, you know the Jays can really only hope at this point in time that that he stays healthy next year because he he just brings an entire new dynamic to that team. And uh, you know if he stays healthy, there's no question. But the skill level that's there. He's proven that. Uh, the, the big question mark with him is, of course, the knees and being able to stay out there every day. And uh, that pretty much answered my next question, which was, you know, which player in your eyes is the biggest question mark with regards to health? I think that, you know, obviously Devin Travis uh, is the guy for all the reasons you just, uh, you know, talked about. Is there anybody else, uh, you know, outside of Travis that in your eyes is a little uncertain because of similar health issues that Travis is experiencing? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the problem with this team is that uh, you can find a lot of examples of that. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki is another one. Uh, the Jays don't have any depth to speak of at the moment up the middle, and that's why I think adding some type of uh, proven utility man who's probably going to get more of a you know a paid contract than what you typically see a bench player, I think they need to spend a little bit more money on that type of role and get a guy who uh, can fill in at shortstop, can fill in at second base for extended periods of time and still provide you with some value with the bat. So there's, there's that one. And then the other one on top of that is Aaron Sanchez. I mean, Aaron Sanchez going into next year will probably be the biggest wild card on this team. I mean, he was a, a guy going into this year who was talked as a Cy Young candidate, obviously won the AL uh, ERA title uh, in 2016 and is, is known as one of the most dominant young pitchers in the game. But the Jays got eight starts out of him this year, and, and those were only like half starts because, you know, pretty much each one of them he had to leave early uh, with the blister issue that never went away. And 
you know, blister issues. You know, it's it's great for Sanchez that he is able to spend the offseason and really let that thing fully heal. But we've seen from players, you know, like Rich Hill, way back in the day, we saw Al Leiter, that this is a type of issue that can really impact more than one season. And the Jays finished the year still searching for answers on how to handle that blister issue. I think they're still in the process of trying to figure that out right now. And so you hope that, that Sanchez comes into spring training ready to go and fully healthy. Um, but if that blister issue pops up again, uh, it's going to be a big problem for this team. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, for many years, Rich Hill was the the poster boy for blister yeah. issues for for pitchers, and uh, he finally figured it out. There was you know no talk of that at all uh, during the postseason for the Dodgers. He was their number two starter behind Kershaw, so maybe if if he can figure it out, there is hope for Aaron Sanchez uh, to get a full season of health out of him, a blister free season at that. Uh, Gregor, let's wrap things up by uh, placing the Jays into one of these five categories. I think you've got across baseball, your rebuilding teams, your non-contending teams, then teams uh, contending for wild card spots, teams contending for division titles, and then teams ultimately competing for world championships. So of those five groups here in early November, where do the Jays best fit right now? I mean, the Jays certainly see themselves uh, or wanting to see themselves as contenders next year. Um, you know, I, I, the division's always going to be tough for them, uh, especially with the situation that they find themselves in now. I, I would put them down as a potential contender for the wild card. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of it's going to really come down to how creative Ross Atkins can be this offseason. A lot of it's going to come down to health. They're going to need some, some luck on their side. This is going to be a really challenging time for them because in reality, in a lot of other situations, you probably would have seen this team go into a full-blown rebuild, uh, but that's just not the way uh, you know things have played out up here. Uh, you know, one of the reasons for that is the Jays really had just such a, a buying in from the fan base starting in 2015, and, and you know, last year this is a team that every single day of the season, except for on the final day, they were in last place. Uh, and despite that, <clears throat> this was a <clears throat> city that that led the American League for most of the year in attendance, uh, continuously, almost always sold out. People have really bought into the rejuvenation of baseball north of the border. And uh, I think because of that, the Blue Jays are, are trying to put a little bit of extra effort into trying to, to keep competitive at the big league level while at the same time trying to rebuild in the minor leagues. And that's always a really tough thing to do when you're trying to accomplish two things at once. But that's exactly what this team is doing now. Uh, you know, like I said, touched on earlier, I, I think the big benefit for this organization right now is because of that influx of fan base, because of the extra tickets sold, uh, there is some money to spend this offseason. And that's where you can try and do two things at once. You can keep your young players in the fold, allow them more time to develop in the minor leagues and fill those holes by spending money uh, in the offseason. And now the question is how wisely the Blue Jays can spend that money. Clearly, uh, you know, with the core that they have with guys like Josh Donaldson, uh, the pitching staff that they have, uh, the makings is there for a contender, and I think that's how this team views them. Uh, but the secondary pieces are going to need to be added this winter, and, and then a lot of stuff is going to have to go in the Blue Jays' uh, favor in terms of health next year for that to become a reality. And a, a great point by you about uh, the fan support, because for so many years, for too many years, we saw more blue seats than uh, human beings uh, at, at Rogers Center. That's no longer the case, thankfully, as uh, the fan support has been off the charts and a big reason why you're against a full-blown uh, rebuild and you want to put a competitive team out there year after year. Hopefully, like you said, a few uh, off-season tweaks, some improved health by the pitchers, and voila, the Blue Jays are back in the mix in 2018. Gregor Chisholm, great stuff as always. We thank you for the time. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Toronto Blue Jays.